Welcome to On Aeon, an award-winning podcast featuring conversations between colleagues on, well, Aeon. This week, we hear from Brian Ward and Heather Myers for a discussion on navigating volatile markets as an institutional investor. And now, this week's host, Russ Ivanjack. Hi, my name is Russ Ivanjack. I've been an Aeon colleague for 29 years. I currently serve as the firm's global chief investment officer in our wealth practice. Uh, institutional investors today face an array of challenges in managing their investment programs. We have volatile capital markets, a array of complex investment strategies that continue to evolve, growing operational complexity in implementing investment programs, and generally leaner staffs across our client base than in past years are all hallmarks of the issues facing institutional investors today. Organizations are seeking ways to effectively govern and implement their investment programs in light of all of these considerations. So how can organizations and institutional investors better understand the opportunities and the risks that they're facing in today's environment? Are there opportunities to improve the risk-adjusted performance of their investment programs going forward? So in today's podcast, we'll explore these questions as well as the role of outsourced chief investment officer, or what we like to call OCIO. With me today are Heather Myers and Brian Ward. Heather has been at Aon since 2016 and currently serves as Aon's nonprofit solutions leader. Brian has been at Aon since 2005 and is currently serves as Aon's U.S. head of solutions and sales. Brian and Heather, thanks for being here today. I'll start with you, Heather. Maybe you can tell, tell us a little about yourself and the role you play at the firm. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Um, I wear two primary hats. I am the nonprofit solutions leader is one hat, and the second is the chair of the U.S. Investment Committee. So my day role as, as the nonprofit solutions leader is really fascinating because I'm working across our business. I work with our sales team and developing solutions for new uh, nonprofit uh, clients and building the, the business there. I work with our current nonprofit clients and making sure we have the right answers to their questions that we're able to keep atop of what's going on in the industry. And then broadly, it's just that just that understanding what is driving endowments and foundations and healthcare in particular today. What are the um, topics of most interest to them? How do they want to build their portfolios going forward? And then wearing the other hat as the chair of the USIC, this is the group that is responsible for things like our investment beliefs and our model portfolios and the strategies that we're going to implement in our portfolios. So as you already said, the world is really interesting and there's a lot going on in the markets today. So uh, both roles keep me busy and engaged. Wow. So what we're going to have to maybe later on in this podcast, talk about your organizational skills in order to handle all that. But <laughs> let, let me go to Brian. How about you, you talk about your uh, roles and responsibilities at the firm? Thanks, Russ. And it, it is great to be here today. Thanks for uh, including me in this. Um, in terms of the solutions and sales leader role, it really is at the highest level, um, harnessing the capabilities of Aon Investments, uh, both within the U.S. and globally to bring solutions to our various client types. So um, investment research, investment manager research, portfolio construction, risk management, and really you know, developing what it means to be a, a 
nonprofit client of AN Investments, a corporate pension client of AON Investments, and then bringing that to market to grow the firm. Um, so that's really how I define the uh, role uh, at a very high level. Wow. So we definitely have the, the right two people today for this podcast to talk to institutional investors about what's going on. So Heather, let's start with you. What challenges do institutional investors currently face in managing their investment programs due to the current environment? Yeah, that's such a great question, Russ. Um, there are many challenges. As we say, shall we have the, be lucky enough to live in interesting times? Uh, a few of the big ones right now that we're talking about are one, illiquidity. Um, we like illiquid investments, but portfolios have experienced uh, additional illiquidity based on the environment we've had today. So we spent a lot of time looking at the illiquidity um, and reassessing risk tolerances. Different pools of capital, whether you're a corporate defined benefit plan or a public pension plan or endowment, have different levels of risk tolerance. So, so we need to work really closely with our clients to understand what is that level of risk tolerance? What kind of investments can they um can they assume? I was in an investment committee yesterday and they have a higher risk tolerance. They're like, hey, is there opportunity for investments today in things like real estate? Because I know there's stresses in the market and others can't take opportunities like that. So those are just a few of the ideas right now that we're focusing on with our clients. Yeah, thank you, Heather. I really appreciate that. And I think you know, and uh, one of our big things big themes has been resiliency. How do you build resiliency in the portfolios? And I'm sure we'll get into it more, but the private market allocations our clients have has really served them well over the past couple of years. But now they're dealing with you know the, the growth of those illiquid assets in their portfolio. So really appreciate it, Heather. Um, Brian, what do you have to add to that question about the environment institutional investors are facing today? I think uh, you know Heather hit on the on the key points. I would also add just one more thing: is we go through periods like this with a lot of uncertainty and perhaps some you know economic stress in the system, you get a lot of regulatory and legislative um, impacts to the markets too that can really change um, investors' time horizons, perceptions of risks, and return needs. So not only are we dealing with just the general market environment, but we're also dealing with you know changes that may come out of DC as well. Uh, so you're saying the regulators continuously throw us curveballs that we need to deal with. I, I'm going to just say they, they continue to tr drive change in the marketplace. All right. Great answer. All right. Tried to trip you up there. Not intentionally. Um, so Brian, let's stay with you. Um, another key topic that we're dealing with is just, you know, how our role as an investment consultant has evolved. So you'd speak to, you know, we've moved from a traditional consulting model to you know, extension of staff to the outsourced chief investment officer with many of our clients. So, you know, what are the benefits and challenges that uh, we face as the model has changed? Yeah, so that, that that's a that's a great question, and we actually did publish a paper recently on the evolution of the traditional investment consultant, and it really goes back, you know, to really the great financial crisis. So, I mean, it's been 12 or 13 years in this environment. And while OCIO or Outsource Chief Investment Officer has become somewhat of a, a household name in our industry over the last several years, it never really was before. And I would say, you know, the start of this was, again, GFC market volatility, not too dissimilar than the uncertainty and volatility we're facing today, where many asset owners were looking for help 
to manage through volatility. And looking to help meant asking their trusted advisors to take on more responsibility. Instead of us doing this, can you help us implement? And what we saw over time was just an increased demand for um, discretion, meaning they don't have the bandwidth, the capabilities in-house to manage through periods of volatility. So they would ask their advisor to take on discretion and then evolved over time. Um, And so what we're seeing here now is that evolution really taking to a new kind of standard market delivery um, for probably close to half, if not more than half of the institutional asset owner universe, where they outsource some or all um, of their portfolio. So, you know, the market's adjusted to asset owner needs over time. Wow. Thank you, Brian. And I know you've been uh, front and center in that evolution, um, particularly working with our corporate pension clients, where we've seen, you know, really a seismic shift over the past 10 years of a traditional uh, consulting model to OCIO. So, so Heather, what do you have to add to that? Because I know you work with nonprofits and, you know, that that's a different marketplace and how they use OCIO or traditional consulting, you know, continues to evolve as well. Yeah, you know, Brian hit a lot of good points. As you started the conversation, the investment industry has not gotten any easier. It's so much more complex than it was even a decade ago. The ability to pivot and make investment decisions quickly when things like a war breakout or rates rise, um, investment committees have realized they don't have the bandwidth uh, nor the time, the energy to do that. And so they have appreciate what we can offer as an OCIO, what we can offer in terms of managing that portfolio through these challenging times. Um, And so I think that there has been this appreciation that they need a partner. They need a partner who's been in the industry, whose day-to-day job is following the markets and not just coming in on a quarterly basis and just giving them ideas. So there's more of an embrace to do um, partner with a good OCIO than there was a decade ago. Thank you. Yeah, the, the world has become incredibly more complex. I like to say when I started the industry, there were four main food groups, you know, stocks, bonds, cash, and real estate. And now we have, you know, hedge funds, private equity, private credit, infrastructure, and the list can go on and on. It would take up all the time in the, the podcast if I kept going. Uh, so, so with that in mind, you know, how can organizations and institutional investors better understand their exposures? You know, are they truly diversified or they, do they think they're diversified, but potentially have concentrated portfolios? So Heather, I'll, I'll turn to you for that question. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we have done a, a really great job on is building tools to help understand that. There are surprises in the market. 2022 was a perfect example when you saw uh, correlations between the fixed income and the equity markets that weren't something that typically happens by a long shot. But um, our business is both very qualitative and quantitative. There is this innate understanding that we have to have in terms of how markets behave and an understanding of when things go awry, what may impact the portfolio. And so we spend a lot of time looking through our clients' portfolios, both at a security manager level and an asset class level, and just thinking about where are those risks um, and potential Um, potential areas of concern or where we need to manage 
Uh, we've had some recent crises where we were able to quickly respond to our clients and, and evaluate the portfolios as to where they might have had exposures. Um, so the more that you have look through and understanding, and we talk a lot to the asset managers in the industry to see what they're understanding. So ours is very much a heavy information. We have to take through this information and narrow it down to some key points for our clients. Again, a benefit for an OCIO because we have a deep staff to do that. Great. Thank you, Heather. So Brian, what do you have to add to that? It's a lot going on. So how do we help our clients you know, continually to understand their exposures? No, I, th- I think that's a, a good question. And you're dealing with a, a market environment right now that many have not experienced. You've got a very aggr- aggressive central bank, rising interest rates, stubborn inflation. I mean, many of us haven't lived through this, haven't experienced this. And so it's really being that steady hand for the clients. They don't overreact. Um, you know, this this too shall pass in terms of some of the illiquidity challenges, some of the rebalancing needs. Um, it, it's a time to step back, take a look at your 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 time horizon. And so there's there's a lot um, of thinking that's going on. But there's there's also from our standpoint, <clears throat> pardon me, being that advisor to be able to help them manage through this in a very methodical and thoughtful way um, to where no one's overreacting to the uh, situation. Right. What I hear loud and clear from you is be deliberate and patient. So that's <laughs> like we always tell clients to be. Yes. Um, all right. So now I'm going to make it a little more difficult for both of you. And I'm glad I'm not asking this question to myself, <laughs> uh, which is so, so, and I'm Brian, I'll start with you. So what do you think, you know, the outlook is for the, I'll give it immediate or intermediate future um, going forward. So uh, Russ, I, I don't, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know why it's hard because I think the answer is nobody really knows in the, this environment. So I'll say in the immediate to near the near term, maybe medium term, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Um, so you have, you know, the market really, really hoping for a Fed pause. They're really, really hoping for a visibility into interest rate cuts to, you know, spur and, and, and take, take the, the, the pre- pressure off the equity markets. But you know, no one knows if that's going to happen or not. The economy, to use a term that you use a lot, is quite resilient. Um, and so you've still got wage pressure growth. You've still got stubborn inflation. And so I do think you're dealing with a near-term period of uncertainty. But in terms of our world and what we do, that near-term period of, of uncertainty could, again, continue to deliver um, opportunities that we haven't found yet. So we need to be ready, keep our eyes out, and be prepared to take action on behalf of clients because, again, uncertainty, volatility creates opportunity, especially for those with a very long-term time horizon. Great. Thanks, Brian. So, Heather, we gave you a little bit of time to polish uh, your crystal ball. Uh, What do you have to add there? You know, one of the things we've really experienced, I'd say even over the last decade, um, if not longer, is a real um, evolution of differences of how defined benefit plans are approaching their portfolio versus defined contribution versus endowments and foundations. So Brian gave an excellent list of the key things from economics that we're looking at, and those impact all of those portfolios. And then there are these other issues that are driving different pools of capital. So for instance, when I talk to endowments and foundations today, yes, we need to talk about what inflation expectations are, what are interest rate expectations. We also need to talk about things like 
ESG, big discussion in, uh, for nonprofits. DEI, huge discussion for nonprofits. They tend to have very uh, high allocations to alternatives, as I mentioned earlier, illiquidity. They also have um, allocations to things like China. So for those pools of capital, we have some other broader topics that don't apply to everybody. But in terms of the crystal ball, if I were to say what are the top topics over the next year, it's the markets, as Brian talked about, and then the few, the DEI, ESG, China, illiquidity that we'll be talking to a lot of our nonprofits about. Wow. So both of you just gave me a full array of things that we're talking with clients about dealing with. Um, and I know one thing that is not happening typically is the amount of time we have to spend with our clients in committee meetings is not expanding. It's usually shrinking. So how do you execute on that in a shortened time frame, given all the variables you just went through? So I think it sort of leads back to what we talked about before and the role of how OCIO has become more prominent or we've become even more an extension of our client staff. All right. So final investment related question um, as we start wrapping things up. You know, so are there opportunities to take advantage of uh, given current market conditions and and our clients' um, portfolios the way they're positioned today? So, Heather, I'm going to start with you. Yes, absolutely. When there are risks, there are opportunities. And and again, as, as you said earlier, there are several areas we're really focused on. Private credit is one of those areas. Um, Reevaluating the fixed income allocation for many of the endowment foundation where fixed income had kind of lost its utility for a long time, but there is value in fixed income today. So moving into fixed income allocations uh, for clients who haven't had much. Um, and then, as I said earlier, real estate's going to be an interesting one and and broadly real assets but um yeah so there are a few all right thanks brian i'll turn the same question to you yeah i think um you know we talked about earlier that you know a lot of times regulatory and, and legislative issues can make opportunities as well and you know we've been really focused on the credit space for quite some time the private credit space for for quite some time and so initially we had legislative actions that led us into that space due to some dislocation and market disruption and now with the regional bank crisis going on that creates additional potential opportunities in that space so i know we spend a lot of time in the broad credit markets and i think that's going to continue for quite some time Right. Thanks, Brian. And, and you know, I'm going to pile on that, which is we've geared so much of our research team toward the last three years, sort of opportunistic credit strategies and private credit strategies um, as we you know, anticipated the sort of the continued evolution and complexity of the credit marketplace. So thanks for providing an opportunity for me to pile on there. Um, so first and foremost, thank you guys so much for your insights and discussion today. So Let's wrap things up maybe with an easier question. Like we started off with, uh, you know, making sure you guys didn't pull your hamstring. So <laughs> Heather, I'm going to start, <laughs> I'm going to start with you. Um, what is the last book you read? I just finished Demon Copperhead, uh, won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction by Barbara Kingsolver. And it was a remarkable book. It's a modern day telling of David Copperfield. All right. So I have to add it to my long to read list. All right. Appreciate that. On all your that. plane rides. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian, I'm going to switch it up on you. Um, what's on your playlist right now? <laughs> so, uh, Russ, I'm sure you can relate to this. Uh, um, it's a uh, Luke Combs getting old album. 
Um, and so I would say there's a song on that on that album that's just released maybe a month or so ago, Growing Up and Getting Old. So anyone with 20-ish or more years uh, in, in the professional industry, in your career, can relate to it. The general theme is you still got some gas left in your tank, but you probably should go to bed around 9 o'clock at night. So uh, <laughs> highly recommend it. All right. I'll have to look that up. I was waiting for you to tell me it was Baby Shark was on your playlist. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so thank you, Brian. I really, really appreciate the time, the insights um, you shared on the podcast today. Um, just to our audience, I want to uh, make sure you know that there are opportunities later this year. We have four Wealth Insight conferences in Dublin, Singapore, London, and Miami. Um, please go to and.com if you're interested in attending. They are meant to be very engaging, dynamic events where we are interacting with institutional asset owners, asset managers, and AON colleagues really across the spectrum to tackle the challenges that we all face today. Thank you both. That's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. Look for the next episode of On AON coming soon. This has been a conversation on Aeon and navigating volatile markets. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this latest episode, tune in soon for our next edition. And stay tuned for our first episode of On Aeon Insights coming soon. You can also check out past episodes on Simplecast. To learn more about Aeon, its colleagues, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aeon.com. 